Hello, and welcome to The Vergecast, the flagship podcast of TheVerge.com. Can I start by telling the boat thing, since we're talking about ships? <laughs> anyway, I'm Neil Patel. Paul Miller is here. Mm-hmm. Dieter Bone is here. And I'm just on the edge of my seat, because I want to know about the boat thing. Little inside baseball. Maybe you never um, will working, know about the boat thing. Working with Neil Patel, it is literally impossible to go for four hours without <laughs> him referencing boats, talking about boats, talking about boat politics, <laughs> wishing he maybe had a jaunty sailor hat. Yeah. Like, dude loves boats. Dude, Neil, are you aware that there were two boat games at E3? Uh-oh. I can't keep them straight. <laughs> but there are two boat-related All right, let me tell games. all the people... That first of all, this is the Verge cast. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's where we talk about boats. <laughs> the, the flag boat. <laughs> flag boat. Uh, we. It's going to be a little bit of a different Verge cast this week. Uh, yeah. So it's a second Verge cast. It's this a week. second Verge cast. I did a special edition uh, with Brian Merchant, who wrote a book called "The One Device: The Secret History of the iPhone." Uh, it's already in the feed. If you're listening to this, I don't know how you didn't see that one. So listen to that. It's great. We talk about a lot of things, including. A bunch of controversy was ginned up, some quotes from Tony Fidel about Phil Schiller uh, and how the iPhone was made. So it's really interesting. It is some deep, deep stuff about literally the secret research project inside of Apple where they rigged up a projector over a Fingerworks touchpad that like literally a junior engineer had bought. It's crazy stuff. So listen to that. Then I'm very excited to say uh, Dieter and I hung out with Panos Panay from Microsoft this week. Uh, talk about all things Surface, so we're going to run that in the middle. And then Ma <laughs> Megan is at E3, Megan mm. Frokmanesh, and Paul talked to Megan about what is going on at E3, because I don't know if you noticed, E3 blew up our site this week. I think, was it Tuesday? We published 100 stories on Tuesday, yeah. which is yeah. great. And it was all video game news, because Chris Plant, I don't know if you know this, loves video games, and he runs our culture section, so that's what they did on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, so just ton of news, tons of things going on, uh, lots of segments basically, and then Paul, of course, has a segment that he does every week. Yeah, uh, and we're, we're not going to forget it this week. We super not going to forget <laughs> it. This right. week. I'm not going to do a bad job either. <laughs> That's my promise to you. Uh, so let's get started. Let's just get into E3. I'm let's just let's talk about boats. Um, yeah, sorry. I forgot to tell the boat story. <laughs> the deepest controversy in New York City this summer is the ferry system. Boat supply. Boat supply. Boat demand has radically outstripped boat supply. People are literally waiting in, in line. Right. And I'm just saying, there was a story in the New York waiting Times. waiting in line all anybody ever does in New York? Like, yeah. oh, we, we invented a new slightly Look, different donut. He, We're going to form a line that's I'm going to make this a verge long. story. Mm. Right okay. here, okay, right now. Sure. Boats are culture. Boats are culture. <laughs> Everything's a technology story. Uh, the subways, our infrastructure in New York City is crumbling, mm -hmm. agreed upon. Uh, the the mayor of New York City does not actually control the subway system. The state of New York does. Mm. Like lost in political drama. But the mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, is like, you know what's great? Boats. I'm going to start a new ferry service. Ordered a bunch of high-speed catamarans. This is true. That's what they're supposed to be. Okay. Only a few of them have been delivered. He had children in New York vote on what they should be called. Thus, the children have named the boats things like lunchbox. This is a true story. So there's a boat floating up and down the East River with the word lunchbox <laughs> painted lunchbox. on the side. Uh, the boat captains trained in a, like a VR simulation room that's on the verge. Andy Hawkins went and like did the boat VR thing. Okay. But the new boats are too small because the city did not anticipate 
that people would want to take cheap boat rides, which if they had just asked me (laughs) is a data point that I would have happily (laughs) provided at any time. Like, honestly, if anybody wants to ask me at any time, do you think people like boat rides? I will tell you the answer. Yeah. Literally at any time. Mm -hmm. See me on the street, just roll up, be like, what are your thoughts on boats? And I'll let you know. That's market research right there. Ask anyway. Me, ask Neelai. But this is this is technology. Our high-speed catamarans not doing the work. I didn't know there were catamarans. They're catamarans. Man. Anyway. Exciting. Uh, now, moving on to the virtual world. <laughs> 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 uh, a number of boat simulators were launched. No, no, no. E3 happened. Yeah. A lot of news. I think so. I think it was jam-packed. Yeah. And uh, I talked to Megan about this. I mean, I feel like... I don't play these games because I'm old. Yeah. Uh, but this is a vibrant industry. Yeah. That is still like just embracing new technology, making f- crazy 4K stuff. Uh, also, they're stabbing slightly fewer necks than in years past, is I, my impression. I think like I saw Spider Man isn't allowed to kill people. Like, it's slightly fewer, right? Addie was like, uh, uh, I think she said, eye stabs are the new neck stabs this year. Oh, okay. They're just moving it up the face. Right. That was a real... um, But yeah, those aren't like the, like, I feel like nobody's talking nearly as much about, like, the big, new, violent games. There's a lot of more interesting projects. But first we should talk about probably the biggest news of the show, which is the Xbox One X. (laughs) Nailed it. Not a well-named product. The Xbox One X, four ninety-nine. This is the this is a new Scorpio. console for Microsoft. Yep. Well, a new box, a it's new, a new piece Xbox of hardware. One. Is it a new console? There you go. All right. Is it a new generation? I, let's just do the basics, and then we can do the philosophy. Yeah. It's four ninety-nine. That's the that's the only thing you need. To it's know. definitely a lot more powerful than. Uh, the PlayStation 4 Pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were we were just talking before the show started that uh, we always uh, go to Paul for nerd things, and maybe that's not fair, but uh, I'm going to do it anyway. Paul, what's a teraflop, and why does it matter that the Xbox has six of them? It's a trillion operations per second. Do you guys remember when the the G4 Apple did a, a commercial for the G4? It was one of the first like personal computers yeah. that was a gigaflop, mm-hmm. and at that t- rated at a gigaflop. And at that time, that was like super. It was like the definition of a supercomputer, and there were export controls on it. So Apple did like this ad where like we this is so powerful we can't even export yeah, it because it could be used <laughs> it has to a make gigaflop. Weapons. Well, so now we're at teraflop, but the the, the teraflops are specifically referring to um, the GPUs typ- typically. Yeah. Um, See, I thought it was like a, a, a belly flop, but on land instead of water. That is, that's where you're wrong. That's what I call that price. Teraflop. A trillion floating point <laughs> operations. That, that landed like a belly flop on land. <laughs> trillion floating point operations per second. Yeah. Which, okay. is, which is a lot. It's, so, it's doing video but, game but, but, math. It's, doing, it's, it's rendering more pixels, more But the vertices. main thing here is it can play a whole bunch of games, mm. native 4K, 60 frames per second. Yeah. The PS4 and, Pro And by cannot. a whole bunch of games, you mean Forza, because like, there's not, like, everything else isn't, doesn't seem to be taking full advantage of the hardware that they've talked about. I, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, you know, we're already at a point where people watch 4K Netflix, mm-hmm. but 4K. 4K Blu-ray exists, yeah, but people just watch 4K Netflix if they have. A 4K I've thought TV. a lot about buying a 4K Blu-ray player, right. and I feel like I feel like I've not purchased a 4K Blu-ray player. 
And, 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 you're, and, and, and you idiot. love boats. <laughs> Who doesn't? A mar- I, so, do, do they make a marine capable for <laughs> Cape Blue So, uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's undeniable that if you want the most beautiful boat game experience, uh, Ubisoft like did a spinoff of the Assassin's Creed game that had boats, and they just made like, pirate ships, yeah. like multiplayer pirate ship shooting simulator, uh, which is really exciting. Um, if you want the most beautiful version of, of a lot of games, you're probably going to want to play them on the Xbox One X. If you want to play them with your friends, this generation, pe- most people have chosen the PlayStation 4. Yeah. And so you p- are going to have a very nice visual experience with the PlayStation 4 Pro. Or I think this is the bigger, almost the bigger story to me. You know, Microsoft just lowered the price of the Xbox One S, mm-hmm. which plays 4K Blu-ray. Yeah. And it's two hundred fifty dollars now. I just, I just think the the four K gaming. I think it's beautiful. I think it's noticeable, and I definitely think you'll be able to tell a little bit of a difference between Pro and X games side by side. But I don't think most people really are clamoring for it right now. I think we we've wrote a lot about the price. It seems like a hundred dollars too much. There was. A big argument on the Verge staff about this price, right? Like, uh, I am on Team Micah Singleton. On yeah, this argument, Micah Singleton was like, way. people pay this much money for all kinds of consumer tech all the time. Like, yep. If you if this is the thing that you want and you pay for it, and certainly Microsoft the iPad Pro, which we'll price. talk about later, starts at six fifty when there's a regular iPad that you can get for like three thirty. So yeah. like, people are just people will spend the money. So I, the extra hundred bucks, like it hurts because like teenagers are going to have a harder time getting it, and that's a problem. But I don't know, man, like Microsoft is already losing so badly to the PlayStation 4 and the PS4 Pro and Sony's already refusing to like do cross console like, you know, multiplayer uh, as much as like Microsoft and Nintendo seem to want to. I just think like, you know what, go ahead and charge 500 bucks. It's not like you're going to sell a gazillion of these anyway. You might as well sell them for a price that isn't like a giant loss yeah i mean i i think this is and again like i don't play a lot of games either which is why we we have the segment with megan who actually has the expertise but i think this is a deep reflection of the fact that the age of gamers is actually a lot higher than people perceive right Mm -hmm. like a lot of people who have good jobs in their 30s play video games now which is not traditionally how we have perceived of the video game market so there is a way to capture their extra dollars, which is kind of what it seems like Microsoft is doing. It's also what yeah. Nintendo was kind of doing with the Switch, right? Like all of their marketing is aimed at like, I don't know what you would call them, like upscale millennials. Is that a phrase? I think those are just the people in like John Bush. Upscale millennials. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like young Gen Xers. Yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 right, it's the people who are like past their first job. They're into their second job. Their career is doing a thing, right? Like... There is a market for the game companies to capture, and they're aggressively trying to capture it. Yeah, but I think that's slightly different than like the enthusiast, because I think that the, the nice thing is that there is a relatively clear story here. It was very hard to pick between the the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four specs wise. They were so so close. Yeah, they're almost identical. Here, there's obvious. If you want the most powerful home console in the world, there's one to pick. Yeah, and you can do that. And you could pay more money to do that. But but your friends won't be on the network. Mm-hmm. You won't be able yeah. to buy the fun VR headset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The PS, like Dieter was saying, the games aren't optimized for these things fully yet at all. Mm. 
as with every console ever, sure. you can get more and more out of them over time. Like, is an extra, what is it, 1.3 teraflops? Is that... They keep upgrading the consoles. Like in, a, in another year, are they going to put out the Xbox See, One X2? Yeah, the Xbox One X2. <laughs> <laughs> it's staring them in the face. They're like, we're just going to pull out this gun called naming, uh-huh. and we're just going to like point it at our face uh-huh. and tell the world it's called the Xbox One X. Uh, so I I have no I have no idea. I think that's the big thing. It's like, well, what about a next gen? Yeah, wait, so this is the philosophical thing. Is this a new console generation? I don't think so. So I mean, Microsoft's whole claim is they're going they're trying to do away with the very con- concept of console generations. Right. I don't uh, actually believe they're going to pull that off. What I think really what I think is particularly interesting is that they're doing it in both directions. Yeah. So they're putting out more and more powerful hardware every year, but then they're doing all of, I mean, they have all the horsepower, so they can just emulate an Xbox, mm. or they can just run the games, and they're doing it. Right. Yeah. Right. They're going to let you play. I think you can actually just set up an original Xbox with the new Xbox and cross-play games on them, mm-hmm. which is wild. So they're they're pushing in, in both directions of saying there's just Xbox. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 haven't, I haven't decided. I have to, I'll have to think more about it. Oh, maybe Chris Plan will get back and we can like – We can like, get into it. So why don't we, lean back why really don't we transition to some actual gaming expertise? Real video game players. You who, talk to Megan. Yes. Well, 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 lead us into it. Megan is at E3. She loves video games. She's been to a bunch of E3s. She, she understands what's going on. So I asked her <laughs> what is going on. Uh, let's take a listen. Megan. Hi. Hello. Thank you for joining me from... Live. From E3. LA. You're still there. I am still, yes. This, it's extremely hot here. Very sunny. Lovely beaches. This is the last day of like a two-month-long conference. I feel like I've lived here at E3 specifically my entire life because it started so early this year. It started, was it Friday? Those press conferences or... Saturday. So normally, back in my day, um, my first C3, things would kind of, sometimes there would be like events on Sunday, but then like Monday was like big press conference day. Hmm. But um, things have kind of been pushing back a little bit more every year. So this year, EA did their big press conference on Saturday. And then uh, it all kind of just rolled out from there. So and how many E3s have you been to now? This is my fifth one. Wow. Okay. I know. (laughs) So here's my main thing. I feel like this is been a great year to watch E3 remotely because it's so good on Twitch now. Like every press conference understands that like Twitch is almost their primary platform, even though they are in LA doing a live stream from LA. I'm afraid that I'm becoming an old man and that I don't care about these video games because I'm old and irrelevant. And all I do is just play PC games like Factorio and I can't connect with with this new generation. So I'm I saw a lot of games that looked very interesting. I just couldn't visualize myself playing. So I want to hear from you what is actually good and actually interesting and actually new versus stuff that just looks beautiful but it's more of the same. So what what stands out to you from this show? Um good question. My favorite thing that I've seen so far um Honestly, a lot of the demos I've seen I haven't been able to play because it's stuff that still is uh, in that stage of development or or the actual show floor is such a mess that like I don't want to wait in line for three hours to play a demo. But um, I actually just a couple hours ago saw the newest demo for Detroit Become Human, which is like the newest game from Quantic Dream, which I am super stoked about. Um, They made Heavy Rain. They made Beyond Two Souls. I hated Heavy Rain. I loved Beyond Two Souls. But 
the game is just, I mean, it visually it is stunning. Like it is a gorgeous game, but also it's just kind of taken these ideas that I think the studio has been working on for a long time. So you having choice, you pursuing these different storylines and dealing with the consequences of that in a way that um, I think some other developers try to do, but don't always succeed at. Um, this one just seems like a really nice evolution of that. Is the gameplay really similar? Yes and no. Like quick uh, time events kind of? They're not so much quick time events. Um, so in the demo I saw, so basically the game is about um, you play as these three androids um, with kind of interchanging stories uh, who are becoming self-aware. And so they all have like different storylines. One um, escapes a factory ever after gaining consciousness. One is an android hunting down other androids. Um, another one is basically starting like a revolution against humans. Um, so the demo that we saw is for the new character, Marcus, who is leading this revolution. So the way the, you know, the demo played out is essentially this mission where you're trying to bust into the store and free all these other androids. So to do this, you still, you first have to like wander around the area, collect information, you're analyzing stuff, you're um, going up to other androids and he has the ability to like essentially shake them out of their just robotness and bring them into consciousness, I guess. They weren't super clear on all that yet. But um, so it's a lot of like, planning out your move, but also reacting to things as they're happening. So at one point, like a bunch of cops show up and it's like, okay, like you have 10 seconds. Like there's like a timer counting down to abandon your mission to go hide or to maybe like fight. And everything you do contributes to like how the overall like mission goes and whether you fail, if things end violently and so on. So another story driven game that I saw the A Way Out from E3, it seems almost in this genre now. Like, I, I watched Beyond... I, I didn't have any desire to play Beyond Two Souls, but I watched at least half that game on Twitch, like, including the ending. It's just, uh -huh. like, a really compelling movie that you're watching with uh, a crazed Twitch chat room and a streamer. <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, but I really, I really want to play A Way Out because it has this interesting co-op thing. Did you were you at the EA press conference? Have you seen anything about this? I was, yeah, yeah. This game is interesting to me because the guy who is pioneering it actually worked on one of my favorite games of God, maybe it was 2015, um, Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons, and that was another co-op experience. So this guy has always kind of like been playing with the idea of playing on a couch with your friend but playing video games together in a way that's different. So like with Brothers, you could either, if you wanted to do co-op, you could like share the same controller, or if you played by yourself, um, you had to control both Brothers at the same time. But this one is interesting, A Way Out is interesting, because uh, the game, you can only play it in split screen, so you have to play it with a friend, which I it just seems kind of insane to me in like 2017, that it's like, we're bringing Black split screen. You can't, you can't play it online? You can, okay. You can play it online, um, I think. The way they said it in the conference, it was a little ambiguous, but the impression I got was that, yes, you can play it online. But, but they're doing uh, a bunch of weird stuff with split screen where even in, if they have two views on the same screen, they might even show a third view of another camera angle of another thing that's happening. They're really into the split screen. I'm really curious how this will play out because they said they want you to be able to play on your couch with your friend, right? But it's two stories happening simultaneously. So like a cutscene can be happening for one character, and then you or your friend as the other character can be out doing stuff. So it just seems like a lot of information happening at once. Right. Which is, I, that's exciting to me. I Because I, th that's what, it, when I watch this show, I see so much that like, there's a new Assassin's Creed, there's a new Call of Duty, which, you know, every E3, you kind of expect that. And they're kind of more and bigger and better. And you really don't know if you're going to really like them until you play them because they always look beautiful on stage. Uh, but like I like to see like new ideas, and I feel like this was kind of a new idea, which was was kind of exciting to me. Another kind of new idea was was VR making a real 
actual flagship game in VR with Fallout. Is Fallout 4 going to be the worst VR experience, or, or is this like the VR experience? Do you have any ideas? I am actually the worst person in the world to ask about VR because it makes me want to throw up, like not <laughs> on an emotional level, but like I can play for like five minutes and then I'm just like, ooh, I got to sit down. Oh, like no. I've been in demos where like PR has been like, hey, you look uh, like you're about to pass out. And I'm like, I sure am. So VR is not a thing that I am very heavily invested in. Um, well, I like and, and fall doesn't even have like, it look like it has those like teleportation mechanics to like ease the, ease the burden. You know what? I actually don't really like the teleportation mechanics. I feel really? like that messes me up more. Yeah, I like feeling like I like it. Like I like the vibe, for example, because you can actually move around, and that helps me like experience things a lot better. When no. it comes to like sitting down and having a stationary experience, just the jumping around thing really messes me up. Speaking of jumping around, I don't know. This is not scripted. I don't... It's a beautiful segue. Uh, Mario Odyssey. I oh my god. I. <laughs> My my greatest dream is that this, this would be a rated M game where you're dropped into a Grand Theft Auto world and you run around and you jump on people, but then they really die. And it doesn't have to be like extra gory, but just that you really kill people when you jump on them as Mario so you can really feel the moral weight of this decision. But instead, you just possess people with your hat. I think that's worse. I think that's like way worse than killing somebody because think about it. Like if I zoomed into your body and took over your life, I'd be very offended. I, I, I mean, you should be. It's a terrible thing to do to somebody. I feel like it's better to murder someone than to take over their entire life and then go do things with their body that they don't want to do. Yeah, we've taken a dark turn. I I've, I've had this conversation so a lot with with people with uh, with the with Star Wars: Force Awakens. You know, is is she the bad man now that she, you know, uses force to control stormtroopers to do what she wants? You know, she's taking over their agency. So I mean, stormtroopers are kind of assholes, though, mm. unless, you know, except for John Boyega, the one shining example. The people of New Donk City are wearing suits. So maybe, you know, maybe they're the stormtroopers of the Mario <laughs> universe. <laughs> have you, have yeah. you gotten to play it or watch watch anybody play it? I have not gotten to play it myself. Um, I'm actually trying to sneak into the Nintendo booth later today to get hands-on. So at E3 this year, Nintendo built New Donk City, which is the city in the game. Um, And it's kind of like a ripoff of, like, New York City, but it actually sort of feels like it in the way that when you you enter New Donk City, you're just, like, shoulder-to-shoulder with so many people because E3 is so packed. But... um, it's awesome because, like, if you get to play the demo, they give you a pin, and then you take the pin over to this cap store, and they give you a visor that's, like, Mario's hat with the creepy eyes, which, to me, is, like, such a strange transaction of, like, take this pin, exchange it for hat, good job, you played Mario. Now you're possessed by Mario. <laughs> Mario, you have given your body to Mario. Uh, okay, so what? one other game, I, I want to hear anything else that stood out to you, but one other game that stood out to me was Anthem, and I'm trying to figure out why. Because it basically looks like it's a Destiny game from Bioware, the, the people who made uh, Mass Effect. is It's like that team made a Destiny game where you play Destiny. Um, but it had the thing I always wanted to do in Destiny. In Destiny, you're in like the town or whatever it's called. The Citadel? I don't know. what. It, and you go, you walk over to the edge and you can't, like, I, I want to jump off the edge of the Citadel and go into this world that I see out in front of me, which is, is like, this sort of kind of shanty town. Uh-huh. And in this Anthem game, 
you walk up to the edge and then you jump and then you're flying and you go anywhere in the world. And to me, that's like so exciting. And I have no idea how it actually plays or if it would be fun to me. But just that idea of being able to – that's a next-gen idea to me, to be able to step into a world, jump off the ledge, and then fly anywhere in the world. So I think the thing I – because this game is still really early in development, and we essentially saw a trailer, uh, a really pretty trailer. But the fact that it is the Mass Effect team and not the Mass Effect Andromeda team, which I think is an important distinction to make, right. um, that alone makes me interested because like, I love the original trilogy. And Anthem is something they've been working on for a while. And they have it's long been rumored to be, like you said, like their answer to Destiny, which makes me not care quite as much Um but I think their ambition here is fascinating. Like there was a report that went up on Kotaku where they were calling it Dylan because they want it to be the Bob Dylan of video games where they, people just continued to talk about it for years after, oh. which is so pretentious, but also I love it. It's just like... Well, that's kind of the part, of, that's the whole point of being Dylan is that you're really pretentious about it. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's it's too early for me to... Because I still can't figure out like how the game plays. I'm like, well, this sure is like it looks nice. This is some nice CGI we're seeing, but in terms of like what it's actually going to be like and how similar it will be to Destiny, it's too hard for me to tell. But just like that team gets me excited because I love what they've worked on before. Yeah, it's hard to tell if it'll be more RPG or less RPG than Destiny, but it definitely has classes that you can choose and customize, and then things that you can collect in the world, like guns, is something we saw. Yeah, I'm really interested in the actual world they'll build because I think they have like a good history of making interesting aliens. I wonder if we will be able to fuck the aliens in Anthem because honestly, that's wow. my only question. Wow, I, I got the I got the Avatar vibe. I think that's what, what the blow blown away. Like I didn't love Avatar as a movie, but I, visually and viscerally, it's one of my favorite things I've ever seen. And just man, jumping off the ledge. You fly down, you fly through canyons, and you fly down into water, and then you come up from water. Everybody should see the trailer for Anthem. It's, it's very good. So what, <laughs> what did I miss? What, what, what is cool that I'm just, I'm just too old to, to understand? Oh, gosh. You know, this E3 has been so strange because I feel like there weren't a ton of new game announcements. Um, and if, I, like, personally, like, I found Nintendo's 30-minute um, Nintendo Direct to be, like, the most exciting thing of the show for me because... Nintendo's brand is essentially like, here's a bunch of weird shit, now here's a bunch of cute shit. And like that is very much uh, how I would describe myself. Pokemon for Switch is pretty exciting. Yeah, it's insane that it's taken this long. And so we're finally going to get, you know, they call it like a core RPG franchise or RPG experience, which maybe just means like the handheld games on Switch. But I'm just so interested to see like what they do with it because I think there's so much untapped potential there. And I don't understand like why it's taken them so long to get around to it. But of course, the Switch itself is kind of like a handheld experience it can be so it seems like the perfect perfect timing it seems yeah it does seem weird to wait decades to do, to do it but um but now now is definitely the time with the switch although I, there's just nothing essentially portable i've played most pokemon just like emulated on my computer <laughs> yeah. i i have to say i have either purchased or gotten codes for every Pokemon game that has been released since I got into gaming. So the last like five or so years. And before that I was like buying all of them. Um, I've gotten to a point where I'll play them for like two hours and then just never come back to them because yeah. even though there have been so many improvements, they are kind of the same. So I'm really hoping that whatever they do with the switch game is something vastly different like from a, what we've like before. a next gen uh, Pokemon. 
I'm so on board for that. I, I'm really stoked. So what's the, the vibe on the, the actual show floor now that's open? Um, so yeah, so this E3 is actually the first year they've had it open to the public. They sold tickets and it's insane how much of a difference it's made. I think they said they sold like what, like another like 1500 tickets, um, but that they've also cut down on press. So it's not like there would actually be that, that same influx of people. Um, but seriously, the first day walking around, like you could barely get anywhere and the lines are so deep. But also it's just been interesting because it feels like a very influencer heavy show. So like at EA's press conference, they had um, influencers on stage. Uh, it didn't always work out super great. There was a lot of like almost like esports commentary happening. Um, and then just walking around the show floor and a couple events I've been at, it's insane how many people you see who just like have their phones out and are periscoping or doing the like, what's up guys? Like I'm so-and-so from YouTube. Like we're here live at E3. Like it's been like that to some degree for the last couple of years, but I've never seen it like it is this year. So, I mean, for context, the line for whatever Nintendo has in any given E3 is typically all the way around the, the show floor. Like it's like, like a mile long and they, you can wait in it all day and not get into the booth. Is that just worse now? Absolutely. Yeah. It's been interesting because on the press side, even to be a little insider for a second, um, there's just a lot more stuff that's, um, behind closed doors, but not only that, they're just like a lot, like they're being a lot more of a stickler about like spots because there is not as much time and it's harder to see things on the actual show floor. So I've had a harder time, um, seeing things in general, if you don't have appointments and everything is kind of just more restricted you than can't before. can't just like roll up and get, get a demo. Yeah, basically. But it seems like even I was looking at a couple um, threads on NeoGAF, which is um, like a gaming forum. Um, people who are here, like, they don't like the lines either. But it's just interesting because it seems like, especially this year, E3 is really positioning itself to move towards more of like a PAX or a Comic-Con where the show this year feels less and less like it's for press and more like it's for fans, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But also, I don't think they found the correct way to balance the sheer number of people that are here and how much stuff there is to see. Yeah, well, it, from my outsider perspective, just watching it on Twitch has been pretty. It's been pretty easy to pick up on what's going on to see everything. Like you can see like a YouTube recap. You can watch the full press conference like live or right after right after it happens. So like, it feels pretty accessible from the outside, which is a nice a nice feeling. But yeah, I can understand that it, it, it's tough when there are very few gameplay impression so everybody's just going off the same five minutes of footage they all saw in, in one press conference it's it's harder to know what is actually good yeah and it's like you you don't get many shots to like if you have a chance to go play a demo and you're on the show floor and you are a fan you're going to be waiting probably hours for like a really good game and it's like well is it worth it to spend two hours waiting in line for a 10 minute demo yeah well i don't know i don't know it's worth it I can't imagine. I hate lines. I, hate I, I think there. I would have waited a couple hours probably to play Breath of the Wild before it came out last year. I play, I waited maybe four hours to play the Wii U. Was it worth it? No, because I was like stoked on the Wii U and I thought it was the next generation of gaming. I was super wrong. So. Oh, no. Well, this is such a sad story. Yeah. 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 That's why I don't go to E3 anymore. It's too many, too many bad hot takes. Just crushing, soul crushing. Yeah, because I'm, I'm old now. Well, when are we getting Skate 4, Megan? <laughs> Promise uh, me a date. Next year, 2018. Thank you. Skate 4. Finally, you heard it here first. At on last. The 
Com. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Megan. There's tons more information about video games on TheVerge.com. You can also go to our sister site, Polygon.com, that Megan used to work for. There's just so much information, and it's great to have information. So thank you. Yeah, of course. So that was great. I'm really – again, I've actually never been to an E3. Really? I feel like I don't have to go because I go to CES. That's your penance. That's as, that's as much pain <laughs> as I have to. There are some people. I think Ross had been to like 12 in a row before this year or something. Yeah. But like I said, this is a weird Vergecast with like lots of segments. Mm-hmm. So, Dieter, you have been reviewing a bunch of stuff. I don't want to. Uh, we'll take off of the re- reviews after we get through the, the Panos interview. But sure. lead us into this. You've been reviewing a lot of these like future of computer devices. You've actually yeah, published so a bunch of these reviews recently. I have. Uh, this is a big week because um, basically three sort of future of computer devices. I need to come up with a better term than future of computers. Like devices that are something other than like laptops. Tablets um, with dreams. Or, right. So there's there's the iPad Pro. There's Hope the slates. new Surface Pro, which Dan reviewed. And then there's the Surface Laptop, which is obviously a laptop. Idea um, pads. Wait, uh, but it runs Windows 10S. And so this week they're like, now available to people. So the reviews went up. And so Panos uh, came and he hung out with our staff, which was really great. He got to know some of us. And then we sh- recorded a brief Vergecast segment where um, we asked him about uh, carpeting and also uh, what a laptop is. Because deep down, I don't think anybody knows anymore. Um, he also, you'll, you'll hear it, but he basically the entire time he was with our staff, he's like, I know you're going to ask me about phones. And finally someone said, well, tell us about phones. He goes, I'm not answering that question. <laughs> and he'd, he'd set everybody up. So I'm going to actually read an ad, then we're going to run the segment. We'll be right back. This episode of The Vergecast is brought to you by Squarespace. Whatever your next big idea might be, count on Squarespace to help you create an eye-catching online platform that brings it to life. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you might need to look like an expert right from the start. You can even get a unique domain, which strengthens your brand and makes it easier for visitors to find you. Plus, with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating a beautiful website is simple and intuitive. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse or the drag of a stylus or the tap of a screen. I don't know. But, you know, it's easy because it's Squarespace. Anyway, there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. But if you do have a question, Squarespace has award-winning 24-7 customer support that can help you with any problem no matter how technical or trivial. It's like your very own IT department. So make your next move. Start your free trial at squarespace.com today. You enter offer code VERGE. You get 10% off that first purchase. That's offer code VERGE, V-E-R-G-E. Squarespace. Drag some stuff around. Like a ride on a boat. <laughs> hey, everybody. We're here with Panos Panay from Microsoft. It's still Microsoft. It is still Microsoft as of this morning, for sure. <laughs> yep. Uh, some personal news. No, uh, you <laughs> just put out a bunch of hardware. Uh, Dieter just reviewed the Surface laptop, yep. and we are. Uh, we, there's also the new Surface Pro available soon, or right like right now. Um, and you foolishly chosen to come onto this podcast yeah. <laughs> without reading your reviews, it. which is the worst part. Like I have no idea what Dieter wrote. I know Tom reviewed one as well, so I'm still yeah. trying well, to. I, I read Dieter's review. Dieter yeah. okay. gave you a very flattering review of the Surface. I laptop. did right here, Dieter. Um, well done. Man. And so Thank I you. just want to start with the question. Uh, I think we have written in some collection of Verge people. Uh, the what is the best Windows laptop? What is the canonical Windows laptop story since our Engadget days, right? And it, it's always a question, and it feels like you have finally just delivered what you, what appears to be the co- canonical Windows laptop of 2017. Cool. 
Thanks. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. Um, all right. So over. that was it, right? But, because I'm short on time anyway. Yeah. We should just. Well, no, I got a bunch it. of fan service questions about oh. like, very specific granular features yeah. as well. But <laughs> I, I just want to start. I just want to start broad. Um, obviously, Microsoft, big company. You've got a lot of partners. You've got a lot of competitors who are also your partners. How do you think about this product exactly at this moment in time? Is it was your goal to build the canonical Windows laptop? Are you trying to blow Dell and HP out of the water? <laughs> where, where do you live? I, I think the the thing we wanted to do was bring together the hardware, the software, in a way where we took this classic form factor. That was kind of the word we used. It's classic. It's <laughs> It can be so elegant. It's so everyday use. Bring that same design and craftsmanship that we feel is part of who we are as a team. Get it in this product. So now this hardware software coming together with this, we'll say pride and craftsmanship in a classic form factor resulted in what is now, you know, the Surface laptop. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Okay. So here's a granular fan service question. Oh, uh, oh, you got one. Well, so I've shown this laptop to, I don't know, you know, a dozen different Verge employees. It's the same question. uh, Vox employees. Yeah. Um, do you Literally. get an emotional response when yes. you show them? And the emotional response yeah. is specifically about the Alcantara yeah. fabric. And yeah. to a person, they're like, oh, this is nice. Uh, I don't trust it. Like, yeah. And so you don't need to tell me it's going to be fine because I, I know that's what you want to tell me, that it, take care of it, it'll be fine. <laughs> it might be what I believe as well, but yeah. that's okay. Well, yeah. well, no, I'm sure you do. I do too. Uh, but was that – are you hoping for that emotional reaction? Yeah, why I the think fabric? you like, have If you to... hadn't put this fabric here, I would have been fine by me. And so I'm it, really it curious been, But I don't you think you would it. get that same emotional and that visceral response that yeah. you're getting if we did that. There's something about the tone and tone that comes from a fabric next to the key set, next to the trackpad, next to the screen, next to the, uh, if you will, the chassis of the product, the, mm-hmm. the, the embodiment of it coming together. And we called it tone and tone. So when you opened it, you did have that emotional reaction. But to hold that same emotional response, that kind of visceral, visual, like, wow, what? that's different. <laughs> Looks cool. But when you put your hands on it, it feels great. That was critical. I think um, to hold it. We wanted to hold that emotion in the product. But is it going to last for five years? I think when you did the, the, you did the fabric on the, the Pro, and that, to me, I think elicited a different response because you're like, well, I spilled coffee on it. I stained this fabric. Oh, I can take the key. I can just get another yeah. keyboard. <laughs> you can't do that with this. And I think you're seeing a different response because people hold on to these things for three, four, five years. Yeah. And they're definitely going to wear. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we talk about it a lot as a team. I think that's mm-hmm. what you're looking for. And I'll just talk to you about it. We spent a lot of time, um, the team spent a lot of time in Italy with the Alcantara team just working on the fabrics, making sure they're durable, stain resistant. There is coating on it that it makes it stain resistant. There, It is durable at a level that is as durable as any metal out there in some ways. I mean, obviously, it's not as hard or rough, but it is uh, from a from a last perspective. And then we thought, look, it is fabric. That's what it is. And there's a way to clean it. And it's like any fabric that you know of in life. And, and it wears better than any fabric out there. It's in high-end sports cars right now. It's mm-hmm. in there for a reason. It lasts for several years. I think we, we knew there was this conversation that would happen mm-hmm. for sure. Our confidence in how durable the product is is super high. And uh, I'm not worried about three to five years. I think like any kind of precious object, if you will, anything that you love or care for, you have to care for this product like I think you have to care for any laptop you use. 
Um, and if you like it, if you want it to wear and you want to push it, and not even to do with the fabric, but you can take the outside, the inside, any product you've ever used, it's going to wear and it's going to be like that awesome old pair of jeans that you love and it wore perfectly to who you are and that's your personality, or you're going to keep it pristine. They're, those are They both sit right there as options, but I think and it's fundamental when you design a product like that, of course you have to look at three to five years of use. Yeah. That's every single one of our tests, every way we beat these things to with a down to the pulp with reliability testing. Have you guys ever Do been you have like the, a sweaty palm machine in your labs? We, 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 uh, <laughs> God, crazier than that. We got every single lotion you can think of. Oh, uh, man. Oh, have, yeah, that's really smart. We have sweat from uh, yeah. many different people. Uh, it's I'm a, I'm a bit of a germaphobe, so for yeah. me it's it's hard to hang out in the reliability lab when they're <laughs> testing these things. But they like from Vaseline to lipstick to uh, lotions mm. uh, and – because you have to understand how durable this is. There isn't a material out there that we think uh, won't hit the product. And yeah. that's, by the way, that's both on the outside and the inside of the product. And that's true of every product we ship. It's not unique. It's not unique to this. But we have years of experience with fabrics now. And we've put a lot of energy into understanding them, learning about them. We found Alcantara. We understand it's it, Alcantara itself is a premium brand. It sits in premium you know, cars and it uses a, a very, has a very elegant tone to it. Um, of course, these are unique to surface and they have a unique finish for uh, the reliability aspect of the product, but all our energy into that history has gone into it and we feel pretty good. Yeah. So let's talk about the sort of the range of surface stuff, right? You make a, a, a number of different products. They range from... You're really, you really stretching to make a surface pun right now, aren't you? I am. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying not to. <laughs> I'm doing my best. We have a guest, Peter. <laughs> I, like, I like that you think I'm a guest. I feel great about that. That's a good start. It's, uh, it's I'm great. a guest. Yeah. Usually Treat me like a guest. Just crazy Please. Right? Yeah. Anyway, um, so you've got a range. You've got uh, the Surface Studio, right, which is a big high-end desktop. You've got a number of tablet-first products, although you call some of them laptops now, which is I think is fascinating. Yeah. Then you have this very kind of classic laptop. Yep. As a consumer, how should you be looking at that that line? I think you look at there's three products that we're pretty proud of that when you walk into the store. I mean, we're proud of the studio as well, but I'm going to just put that aside for just a second. Yeah. And, but when you walk into a store as a consumer, you're going to see three products. And you're going to see the most versatile laptop you could possibly use. Mm -hmm. And that's the Surface Pro. And I think that's the one. Is that a laptop and not a tablet? I really believe it. I really for a minute, you were, you were saying it was the tablet that could yeah, replace your laptop. That was for a minute, and yeah. I think um, <laughs> and it is and now it, over. <laughs> I think it's it is. You know, we see how people use it. We know what they use it for. We know it's the only device in their bag. There's mm -hmm. no tablet. There's no laptop. It's the Pro. Um, the new Pro brought so much to the table. So much performance. Uh, the battery life was real. The typing experience has elevated itself. The trackpad, and so we look at it because this really is. The laptop, this is how people want to use it. It's how they are using it. It has, you know, it's powerful in, in its nature as a laptop and performs and competes against, you know, laptops in the market. And what we thought was when you walk in, we can help even more with consumers like, okay, I'm, I'm here to buy a laptop. Great. There's three choices. You have the most versatile laptop. You have the Surface Book, which we put in the performance category. Like this is the ultimate laptop if you want the performance if you're a creator, you want to reverse it, use the pen, push mm -hmm. the GPU. That's what the Surface Book was for. And then we have the Surface Laptop, which was the canonical, if you will, as you put it, or the classic form factor. That is, this is the most beautiful, elegant design in a laptop you will find. It's got that perfect balance of weight and thickness, and it's that thing you're going to take with which you to class. Which do you class. expect to be your most popular product? 
Gosh, you know, that's a hard question, man. We, we've been debating that ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the pro, the pro is our heritage. That's where, yeah. we, that's where we fundamentally started. So I believe that's kind of it, our history will continue that way. And that, um, but, but these other products, they're going to give it a run for its money for sure. And I think it's hard to pick, you know, if you had three children that were running a race with you, which one would you want to win? And then they were all your kids. It's kind of hard to answer that question. But I think Pro might have the lead there. I mean, the the most interesting thing about the the new Pros is that there's a there's a Core i5 without a fan in it. Yeah. Uh, and that that seems really interesting to me because I I think of it still as a tablet, which I you still need to convince me that it's a laptop. Yeah. Um, but like tablets shouldn't have fans in my head. Yeah. Um, but. Intel across the across the board, but Microsoft is talking a little bit or has been about ARM. Um, uh, like, do you just? I don't need you to tell me what your future products are, but if you want to, please. Yeah, I don't please know do. that I will today, but I appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to lose yeah. your listeners either, but yeah, yeah, we probably won't tell you about future products. Uh, so. They're all gone now. <laughs> There's new podcast well, let me analytics. Just cut the podcast. Rolls. They're all gone. So all right, I gotta go. Speak. I gotta go. Like, <laughs> what, 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 I can yeah. follow on to that question, right? There's you announced this thing with Windows 10S. You're yep. giving away the free upgrade yep. instantly, right? And then it'll cost some money after a while. Um, but there's not a lot of activity. Like, build just happened. There was not a lot of focus on win- building for Windows 10S at build. Then there were a bunch of announcements about Windows on ARM that would be able to also run x86 apps. And that was, announcement was made, and it seems to have been very quiet. So it looks like you can move to a world where you're shipping an ARM-based product, whether it's a laptop or a tablet, with yeah. a great battery life, with easier in- integration of uh, mobile broadband, because it's certainly easier to do that on ARM, and um, a sort of modern, if you will, riff on the operating system that has, you know, it's locked to an app store and has to run your browser. But that's certainly not where the product is now. And To me, the fact that you're letting people immediately upgrade to, to Windows 10 Pro for free kind of signals that's where you're expecting the user to be. I don't did you ask a question in that or were you just <laughs> yeah, I don't think you really riffing. did. Just, it's yeah, a yeah, let's riff. Let's podcast. <laughs> I think uh, when we talk about you, there were a lot of things you talked about there. I think the idea with Windows 10S is a very it's very simple. Yeah. And it's and it's and it's easy. I mean the easiest way to put it just simple. When a user uses a product, a consumer uses a product, a person how you, how you want to describe somebody who opens it and gets into the product and falls in love with what they're doing. It's a question of, hey, what do you do? How do you do it? Um, and it doesn't need to be complicated for the user at all, I don't think. And so I think Windows 10S starts to simplify things quite a bit where you're in, we can guarantee you the performance, we guarantee you the battery life. Uh, it's very simple to use. It's There's no conflict. And, and then I think that value prop is super strong for somebody who just gets in and wants to use the product. And, you know, there might be this initial instinct that's like, well, I don't know what it is, so I have to get into Switch and get to Pro quickly. That's fine. Our goal wasn't to hope people upgrade. Our goal wasn't to hope people stay. The goal was to give you the best value prop possible where you're in it, you're more secure, you're getting great battery life, and it's giving you this incredible performance. Use it. Go for it. If there was something you needed that wasn't about Windows 10s or wasn't in the store, then our goal wasn't to say, well, too bad. And the goal was then, hey, switch. It wasn't even upgrade. It was just switch. Yeah. And get into Pro, but understand that, hey, look, you know, you might download something that 
compromises your battery life or changes the performance on your machine or you're going to call in two months and be like, I don't know what's going on, but my machine is slowing down. And but let me, let me, okay, well, I will, I will so actually, actually ask a question. The, the question that I was working my way okay. up to that we've like been circling around is it seems like Microsoft lives at the premium end. You've got Intel Core, core i chips. You've got price points that you know start a thousand bucks, you know, or so. Um, but like, Microsoft has been building a bunch of Windows stuff that like could potentially work at a much lower price point. Does does Microsoft hardware always live at the high end, or would you do you think that there's a world in which you could like cross the price spectrum, you know, all the way down to like something less expensive? Yeah, I don't think I don't. We think about what's the best thing for the hardware and software and the experience yeah. coming to life. That's how I think about it. I think that could end up a lot of times and is our focus to be more premium and our products are premium. Won't really compromise fit and finish on these products. That's not something that's on our list. I don't think that's about silicon. I don't think it's about the cost isn't about silicon. The cost isn't about performance, it, although it can be. But mm -hmm. it is around fit and finish where we won't let up. And once you put a premium fit and finish throughout throughout the product, that pride and craftsmanship that comes through, you definitely want the performance on a product like this as well. I'm not – I don't really – it doesn't matter to me what processor's in it right now. I, mm -hmm. I love any processor we put into it because we would put it in for the customer themselves. And uh, price point is basically – it is – it can be a function of premium, but it's not necessarily that. But where we, where we act today, I don't see us – moving all the way down the price point scale to see if we can cover every price point. we got right. awesome partners. They're doing a great job. And um, I'm pretty proud of that. And so we do stay a little bit higher in. Yeah. So Dieter and I keep asking the same questions. Um, <laughs> it's just a thing that happens. Is uh, that, has this happened before? All the time. Wondering. Are you going to ask what USB-C and steal my question? I'm, I'm definitely going to ask what USB-C. Okay. <laughs> that was definitely where I was going. Guys, <laughs> I told what you, what would a <laughs> podcast be without yeah. uh, Type-C conversation? Dude, what would this <laughs> podcast be without complaints? Later about on, numbers? we're going to talk about headphone jacks. It's going to be great. <laughs> That's all I ever do. <laughs> Why don't we do that? Uh, Why haven't I removed the headphone jack yeah, yet? Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, but let's talk. I wanted to ask about USB-C, and then I, I want to end on sort of a just a broader you know, the whole kind of landscape of computing is changing, right? The, the, the traditional mobile operating systems and the laptop operating systems are colliding in interesting ways. But let's start with USB-C. You didn't put it on this product. You've said you don't think it's ready. What, what was your – explain it in detail. What was your real thinking there? We look, we look at this thing in and out. Like Type-C, USB-C is uh, one of the foremost things that we think about for <laughs> sure. You know, we're not confused uh, of the future of Type C and USB C, I, I went to a conversation even inside internal uh, to Microsoft and like, why do you hate USB C? I'm like, I don't hate, I don't hate USB C. Right? Well, <laughs> there are very few things in the world that I hate. I, I would. What are some and, of those? Try and tell my let's, kids let's like, hate's not good. Uh, <laughs> Name and, one thing you hate. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I, I hate when I can't find my socks in the morning. I got to be honest. That's like, hate. Yeah, yeah wow. really right. drives me nuts. Wow. Uh, type C really. Being with the team to see it and work all the way through is there has been an expectation around that port that I say is an, is uh, is unmet right now. The expectation is very high on everything it can do and what it should do mm -hmm. and what it uh, will do. Mm -hmm. And what we learn as we go through it is uh, – and by the way, as a side note, we use our Surface connector for, to charge these devices. We know it's one of our highest kind of user delighters just the magnetic click it in and go and move. And that port actually is available to use Type-C. So it's not that Type-C can't be used on the device. We'll, we're providing an adapter this holiday that people can use and plug into and yeah. use Type-C for the product. So for all those out there like, well, what about the future? Like it's future-proofed. It's there. Type-C is available for you. But 
In the meantime, what we were most concerned about was what happens when you walk into that conference room and you plug, you look for type C, you have a type C, you try and plug it in and it doesn't project and you don't know why and you can't figure it out. Or I wanted uh, to use power on my device and so I didn't bring my Surface charger with me because I already have another charger for my phone and so I plugged that charger into the wall and I plugged it into my device and we went from this beautiful charge time of less than two hours to uh, why did it take 14 hours to charge my device? Or why did I run out of battery while I was plugged in? What's wrong with you, Surface? And the customer or the user doesn't quite understand what's happening. You might have a three and a half watt charger with a 27 and a half watt hour battery and the physics there are challenged. And you're now in this place of uh, trying to explain what's happening with that port, although there was a promise with it. Some of it has Thunderbolt. Some Type-C has Thunderbolt, some Type-C doesn't have Thunderbolt. Some accessories work, some accessories don't work. Try and go and find an accessory now that you plug in without a dongle. It's pretty challenging. And so we're looking at all these variables, and then you just pause and ask, like, what are you using Type-C for? That was the fundamental. Like, if you think about your customer, you think about what people are using. Like, just ask, what do you use it for? Like, Neelai, what do you use Type-C for right now? I'm avoiding it. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering. Like, cause, I'm so, charging my phone. That's but what I get a lot of tweets on this. Like, what is wrong with you? Aren't you thinking? And I, I, I almost want to respond like, I'm sorry. Like, what are you plugging into Type-C right now that isn't just awesome everywhere else? I believe the future, that promise when it gets standardized and Thunderbolt is consistent and the things you plug in are consistent, whether it's a hard drive that works or doesn't work, I think we'll be in a great future state. I think right now, though, our promise to our customers is, even on this product, when you think about 10s, it's simple, it's easy to use. You open it, you get in, you work. Our promise is it has to stay that way, even with the accessories you're plugging in. Yeah. And when you're walking into a conference room or you're, walk, you're a teacher and you want to teach and you want to plug in, you're likely going to find USB-A or DisplayPort at this point. So we gave you those ports that were so important. We know how much people use USB-A. When we didn't want to take that away from them. That was critical. But then for Type-C, we look and say, well, will it be in our future products? When the time is right, of course, it'll support that matters. I'm not, I don't quote unquote hate it. Yeah. I just, I don't, I think it's awesome. I just need some consistency. And, and when that consistency is in play and our customers won't be confused and the people that use it, the, the main, you know, the, those mainstream customers that come in and they want this beautiful, elegant, seamless device, whether it's pro or it's laptop, they get in they, and everything they use works. That was critical to us. We learned this lesson. We learned this lesson with our early products. When things don't work, turns out people aren't happy. Yeah. And okay. so, so, I know you got to run. I just yeah. want to ask the big thinky question. You've yeah. been covering the hell out of it, actually. But you see every – By the way, I think major... you guys are great. Thank you. Oh, both I really of you. appreciate that. Yeah, I think both of you are awesome, and uh, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I say that before I read your review. After I read <laughs> – Yeah, everything I, could change. I haven't read Tom's review either on Pro, but once I read them both, I could change that and I'll send you a mail. But right now, <laughs> sure. I think you guys are pretty awesome. Hey. Um, You're forward thinkers for sure, and I'm, I'm grateful you had me. Um, I'm really happy you were on. And it's yeah, really fun to have great, cool products to talk about instead of yeah, sort cool. of endless iterations of the same thing. But every one of your competitors and Microsoft is pushing towards what appears to be the future of computing. Yeah. Right? So – Google, to varying amounts of success, is trying to bring Android to the Chromebook. Apple has a real fuzzy boundary between iOS and macOS. There's the new iPad Pro, which you tell me you haven't used, and then we tried to make you use one, and you wouldn't do it. Um, <laughs> that might be true. Uh, he was on the record at the time, so I understand why. That might uh, be true, yeah. That uh, might be true. Um, right, but that, it's that's not like in, you forced me, though. Yeah, we just yeah. held it in the air, and you slowly yeah, moved away. I, um, I decided but, not to touch it. Right, and iOS 11 is kind of making that more laptop-y. You have now 10s. You have a range of Surface products. 
Um, where do you see that boundary of the future of computing going? What's your biggest vision about that stuff? I think you can't. I think everything you said was limited to a form factor. Oh, oh, interesting. And I think with the combination of AI, machine learning, the VR world, uh, Hololens, uh, the current form factors you see, I don't think I don't think we're looking at it yet. Yeah. And you can use an OS, and the platform that is Windows 10 is phenomenal, and especially from it, the its ability to scale through so many different uh, form factors, if you will, or use cases is crazy. It's awesome. Uh, so I think you look at the platform first, but I think what my response is you you ask questions that were based in form factor, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't I don't think we should I don't think is if we were to put ourselves in the column of what does the future look like I don't think I don't think any of us are looking at the form factor right now yet I don't believe that I think uh, form factors kind of can change the way people interact with things and we've seen that. If you go look through time, you'll see it. As a new form factor evolves, how people use their products change dramatically. Um, and that form factor only evolves when the technology underneath it does from a software perspective, from an AI perspective. And if you see all the things that Satya talk about, talks about, you think, think about the things that Terry talks about. You look at Windows 10S and what that's doing. You can look at Chrome and Android, but you can look at Windows 10. You can look at what iOS is doing. These are all platforms evolving to a future at some point. And, but fundamentally, Windows, I, I believe, has this lead uh, that's uh, thinking about not only the current and giving you the classic form factor like a laptop and being beautiful and elegant and seamless, but it also has this opportunity to create a new vision of products that's not here yet. And you're working on those. Well, I'm... <laughs> yeah, he's not going to ask the phone question, but he's definitely going to ask the phone the question. question. Ask me. <laughs> yeah, don't ask me it's the damn one of those phone question. Phone? Yeah. Don't ask Just me the damn phone question. And that's I'm pretty impressed you didn't ask it, but I appreciate that. I'm well, sure I'm going to get I a lot heard... of tweets. By the way, send the tweets. I read them. I read them all. But I, you know, or or uh, the Instagrams, whatever. Send me like I'm all good. Uh, I'd love to hear them, but I appreciate you didn't ask today. Well, I heard yeah. you. Just so the listener knows, before this, we met with a bunch of Verge reporters. They asked the phone question, and Panos confidently said, "I'm not going to answer that question." <laughs> so we have a limited. I just had to do it. Anyway, it's, it's, it's spend your time at the right place. Do you think yeah. uh, rect- like pocketable rectangles is that a form factor? <laughs> I think this was an incredible podcast. <laughs> I, I feel like we got to bond a little bit, which I didn't expect to happen. I like you more than I thought I would, which is super cool. Hopefully, I didn't upset you or anything. No, this that is was great. great. Thanks Thank so you. Much. Yeah, I love the. You guys are awesome. Thanks, Thank man. you so much for coming. Right. Hey, we really, really that. appreciate Thanks, it. Here's my big takeaway. Yeah. First off. I think you guys did a great job. Well, thank you. Well, um, second, He's a very intense man. Yeah. And yeah. excited and happy. I think he was happy to be with you. Yeah. Which yeah. is cool. I, I think there's a, a vibe you get like, I just did a good thing. I made a good some good stuff. I'm, I'm going to tell you about it. But uh, this material stuff, I'm getting conflicting information. Because the first thing I thought was like, sweat stains. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then Tom Moran's review is like... Watch out for sweat stains. Yeah. And then Panos is like saying, don't cool. even worry about it. This He's like, I got a whole lab full of sweat. <laughs> That's basically his answer. He's like, think about gross stuff. We have a room full of it. Like, like the like we have like every lotion ever made by humankind. <laughs> yeah. We applied it to this thing. It's like, oh, oh, don't uh, want to be there for that. You know, I think, so I really like talking to Panos. I, there's something that happens when we talk to the product people versus the marketing people. Mm-hmm. I've noticed this over and over and over again over the years. The product people love nerding out about the product. It's always a just a great conversation 
because we are nerds and we ask some really nerdy questions. I think with the fabric, it is hard to ignore the fact that the second you open it up, everybody reacts to it. Mm. And I think that's if you're Microsoft and you're trying to stand out in the store, you're trying to get people to not buy the Dell or the HP that they've bought out of just like impulse instinct for years, you need to have that reaction. And I think the fabric gives them that reaction. I think the downside is it's the fabric def- gives them that reaction. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 gonna wear differently than a bunch of aluminum. Now that is there are people we work with who have like weird sweat and I've seen across Vox Media there are MacBook Pros where like the aluminum is pitted and gross. Yeah. This stuff gets just as dirty as anything else. Uh, so it's a normal thing that happens, but it might happen a lot worse for this fat. Right. We'll see. Maybe his claims will. He's like, it's going to be fine. I want like a one-year check-in and from someone who's used it every day and just see what it looks like. But those people are out there, right? They have Surface Pros yeah. with that keyboard cover, and they yeah. aren't out screaming. I think the difference is you can. And I mean, that here's thing the, becomes here's gross, the real you just buy another one. Here's the real problem that he's going to run into. Uh, if you're... Surface laptop looks grimy and crappy. You're going to put a post on it on Instagram or Twitter and like Reddit and BGR and be like, oh my God, it's the worst thing. If your Surface laptop is fine a year from now, you're not going to post a picture of it and no one's going to write a story that, hey, guess what? It's fine. Like Mm. the only thing that's going to get a reaction from anybody is it looking like garbage. Yeah. And that's just what's going to happen. I guess you just got to embrace the adventure. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dieter, you. Yeah. Reviewed the Surface Laptop. I did. Tom with 10s Windows 10s. Tom Warren reviewed it with Correct. Windows 10 Pro. You Correct. reviewed the iPad Pro. Tom reviewed the Surface Pro. We've just a lot of future of yep. computing stuff. I have an iPad Pro reviewing it. Uh, yep. Lauren has the 12.9 uh, iPad Pro. Uh, Dan reviewed the Surface Pro, and he did both the i5 and the i7 variants. Just a lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah. And you can go out and buy all of it right now. You so you're but I hung out with you while you were in the process of reviewing the iPad Pro, uh, yeah. and you're like, "This is my computer." Like the second this has iOS 11, I'm buying the hell out of this. Yeah. Uh oh. Mostly, like the answer is it. I, I uh, there's a whole like debate about main computer that goes along with this. Um, but just because we just had panels, let me just get Surface Laptop out of the way. It is the MacBook Air that you've been asking for that actually has 2017 specs. Um, it just happens to run Windows. Uh, you will not want to use Windows 10s, and Microsoft's whole strategy of getting 10s apps into the App Store, Windows App Store, is like not going to go as well as they hope because everyone is going to immediately upgrade to 10 Pro on this thing because it's free. If you are looking for a Windows laptop and you are willing to spend thirteen hundred dollars, uh, you will very much like the Surface laptop fabric and all. That is where I land on that thing. I. Very impressed with that computer. The iPad, here's the thing that I didn't really write this very elegantly in the review, but if you go to an Apple store and there there are two iPads sitting there, one is the iPad, the iPad, it's an iPad. It costs $330. It does iPad things. It has a beautiful screen. It's very thin and light and good. And there's really nothing to complain about with it. And then sitting right next to it is the iPad Pro, uh, which has a slightly bigger screen and like, more like specs than you could possibly imagine. It has a smart keyboard connector. It has a screen that is like bonkers better on like five different levels, including the the increased refresh rate and like all the stuff. 
Um, and it costs $650. So it's a $300 Delta. Uh, and if you're going to spend $650, I think you should spend $750 and get the larger storage. So it's a $400 Delta. Can, can I just say, you when can you buy, lay it out like crazy. that, that yeah. $300 Delta between the iPad and the iPad Pro might be the best value for dollar in computers right now. Yep. Like the, the Just the screen on the Pro. Have you played with it yet? No, I just looked at it. When we leave, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. It is that ProMotion is not a joke. Oh, it's yeah, a real thing. Scrolling. It is, it's it not is. just a marketing term. It's yeah. a real, it makes, like, you notice, it's not, everybody's making the comparison to the jump from a regular screen to a retina screen. It's not quite that. Like, it's not the sort of thing where once you use it, you're like, I'm never using anything else again. Everything else is garbage. This thing is perfect. Um, but it does make sort of a, a really like subtle qualitative difference in your experience of using the device as like a quality device. And I, I have this whole riff that I didn't put into the review that uh, the iPad Pro is basically a luxury product, but where like Virtu and I don't know, Bentley and like other luxury brands, they make it luxury by putting nicer materials and diamonds and leather and Alcantara fabric <laughs> and all this crap on their things to make it luxury. Apple makes it luxury by literally making the technology way better than anybody asked for. Like the luxury is the screen and it is the like the scrolling and the promotion on the screen. Yeah. I I mean I just that screen if you've listened to the show, you know Paul is a pixel density enthusiast. Mm -hmm. And I've been trans transforming into a, a high refresh rate enthusiast. Yeah, Paul only like reads high refresh rate monitor blogs now. It's, it's really weird. <laughs> Guys, I have something to tell you. I've been offered a position. Um, uh, but it's like okay. that stuff is really important. So, 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 uh, like the other day, Best Buy had a deal. You could get the 9.7 Pro for 450. And mm -hmm. I looked around a bit. There's a bunch of 9.7 Pros for $400 refurb. Wow. So, I mean, I want the 120 hertz. Yeah. But if I save my dollars, I can afford a pencil. <laughs> and a keyboard. <laughs> and the keyboard. And, yeah, you know, it gets shockingly expensive extremely fast. If you kit out what I think is like the right model to get. Mm. So if you're like, I, I feel like you should get the bigger storage. Go from 64 to 256. Mm -hmm. I feel like you should get the keyboard, which is like, I think, 160 bucks. Um, and eh, you know, maybe you don't need the pencil, but sure, get the pencil. It's a hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. Get Apple Care to protect the thing. That whole package altogether, all in, is like eleven hundred dollars, which is crazy, right? It's cr unless you make it your computer, right? And right. the if, big question is, can iOS ten support that for most people? If, and uh, I think that it's not appropriate to ask people to radically change what they do with their main computer in the way that iOS 10 demands, um, you can do it, but like you end up living in like a, like, I don't know, different kind of computing world. And maybe that's the world we should live in, but, uh, I'm much more excited to see what iOS 11 does mm. to the iPad computing environment with proper drag and drop with a files app and you know, all the rest. I feel like $1,100 is what you're willing to pay like when you're buying your kid a laptop to go to college. Yeah, I think that's so yeah. I, you know, I asked Apple what's the like what's the standard configuration here? Are you expecting people to buy all the things? Mm -hmm. And they were like, you know, we think people are going to buy what's right for them and we want to give people choice and it just I've been thinking about that over the past few days. It's weird cuz that's not how Apple usually thinks. Mm -hmm. Right? Like 
they just give you the product and it's complete and they've made all the choices for you and that you know their their entire strength is that they've generally made the right set of choices for you this one is just it's a lot of boxes to, like when i got my review unit just to put it all together I, it was just like opening a lot of boxes mm. and like getting rid of a lot of like stuff and as it just didn't feel as complete as like a standard sort of apple unboxing and it just struck me they should just sell a kit yeah right like they should just sell the $1100 iPad Pro kit and that'll be good enough and then for the people who want to spend a little less money and they don't care about the pencil like whatever but that moment for them where they have to convince you to buy all the stuff and it feels like an upsell is like a strange moment in the Apple universe. The, yeah. The last time I think that you had to make that many choices around Apple stuff was like before they had like wireless keyboard standard and you had to like pick between like wired or wireless keyboard. What copy of Adobe software is going to come? It, it's like that configurator, but not for the core computing experience. Mm. But right. the thing is great. Like, oh, that's a very minor criticism. I I will say for this, what do we call them, tablet dreams, <laughs> dream tabs. <laughs> for these, for dream these tabs, for these dream tabs, I'm starting to get pretty tempted. I I have I have managed. I put like a weird window manager on my my laptop that yeah. involves some terminal stuff. <laughs> And like I'm pretty good at the terminal, but I went I went too far. I, I, I delved too deep. Can you come back? I can't come back. And my computer sucks. I literally I can show you this. There's this space. What I keep a space right, that I'll has this, this pop up dialogue on it. What Paul's computer looks completely insane. There's no menu bar. He's picked a desktop background that just looks like like expose, so you can't even tell what's real. Icons everywhere. I Something has crashed. If I click deny on this dialog box, it just pops up again. <laughs> so I just keep, I keep it in its own space. <laughs> Wait, really? Go to the main space. <laughs> but, right. but like, but, what is this window manager? Um, it's there's there's this, there's actually two. <laughs> Wait, Paul is not kidding. There is a dialog box in his computer that he cannot dismiss. So it's just a three finger swipe away at all times. <laughs> So, but my my actual work setup is because I hate I hate having like blank areas around Windows, right? And so I like it on, on Windows that does like the snap the apps like snap together. And I I have um uh what's what should we call it um Better Snap Tool to help me do that. But Better Snap Tool likes to do like half and half. So I was trying to get something that like it was more like a like a tiling window manager like you like people use like tmux like on on a terminal and it was it was like a super hack of of the mac os window manager and it, it was a bad idea but um the, the ios 11's version of it is is basically exactly how i use my computer i have one space where i keep slack and twitter then i have one space where i keep a browser and a text editor um, and then I have a space for like for this dialog box, and then I have a, a space for like <laughs> Spotify or whatever, uh, and a, a space for a feed reader. iPad like does it does exactly how I use it on my computer in a looks like a slightly slicker way, and I just like I'm just so tired of my computer just slowing. Down. I mean, even before this happened, it's just like it's always slowing down. It's always something's happening with it, and it's like. I feel like I couldn't do Windows 10s because it doesn't—it doesn't even have Hearthstone on it, you know. But yeah. uh, but like 
really like some of these apps that are coming out um, for iOS 11, and it, they just they just made the thing that I want iOS 11 to be, and I'm really I really want to try it. Yeah, I the one thing that gets me is the it's Safari window. Yeah, well, it's a third window, but like often I have one Safari window open, an editor window for the Verge open, mm. and then like Slack. And you can't do that on iOS. You want 11. those all in the same view? Well, no, you want two browser windows and a second app open. You can't do that. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can, like can kind of have three apps going, yeah. but two, you can't have three windows. So it's yeah, a like weird the big debate logical here, like, split. It comes down to can you do you want to like adjust your like productivity setup to match the that UI paradigm, that windowing paradigm that you've been talking about, Paul, like the spaces and the split screens and so on and so on. On my computer, I don't like doing that because I like having like windows actually layered on top of each other so I can see like a little bit of the Slack window and a little bit of the TweetDeck window oh, and a lot yeah. of the browser window. And like, is that just, am I just old and I just like want my mouse with a scroll wheel and I should just try and switch to the full on like iPad way of doing things? Or is there like genuine utility there that is worth like demanding out of these computers? And then the, but like Paul, your, your story is like, well, maybe the answer is yes, but like, can you open that door without ending, uh, up with people having to put an undismissable dialogue box in another space, <laughs> right? right. Like if the spectrum of computing goes from like but single like full screen app Milley. window, we should not all design the way to that. our entire UI paradigms around Paul's ability <laughs> to fuck up window managers. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a, but that's like the, the edge cases, like, yeah. like 10s. Uh, if you switch from Windows 10s to Windows 10 Pro and only download stuff from the Windows Store, mm -hmm. you basically are running Windows 10s. It doesn't. It's not any different. 10s and 10 Pro are the the same operating system. Right. The thing that 10 Pro lets you do is fuck up your system by installing a bunch of like Adobe Creative Cloud stuff that slows it down in the background by yep. installing a bunch of crazy window managers by blah 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 blah. Um, and it's like the, the question, I do the same thing in my Mac. I've got a bunch of crap on my Mac that I know is slowing it down. And if I were to start fresh, it would feel way faster and probably get better battery life. So we want that door open. We want to walk through it. But once you walk through that door, it's like you're in like the evil version of Narnia where everything is a wonderland, but you'll definitely, you know, get killed from a random app that you think is cool that you installed. How's that an evil version of Narnia? I don't yeah, know. I'm confused. I mean, I could get to it. Well, because Narnia is run by Aslan, who, never, and we're not going here. We almost did, though. That we was could. that's the door you don't want to walk through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, I hate doing this because I hate metaphors in general, like particularly the PC market, car market metaphor. Car truck. Car. Car and truck. It's a boat. It's a car. That's a truck. <laughs> that's a. Uh, no. If you buy a car, you generally are not meant to screw with it. Mm -hmm. And most yeah. people don't, and it's fine, but you can if you want to, right? And you can do you can do superficial things. You can put body kits on your car. You can do crazy things. You can you can buy a crate engine from Ford and put it in your Chevy if you are so inclined. Yeah. If if you if anybody ever meets Neilai and he has his car, just walk around the car and point out anything on the car that isn't perfectly black, and he will just lose his mind at you for two hours straight. There's two things left. It's the tailpipes. I've I, have a, I need a strategy. 
I've thought about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but my point is like that choice exists, and I we shouldn't get away from the world in which you are able to buy some things that offer you that choice, right? Like, yeah, people can invent new kinds of things if they don't have the 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 freedom to actually invent it on the platforms. And I think the the one question Apple has yet to answer with iOS at all is how do you write an iOS app on an iOS yeah, device? That's... And you're just not going to be able to do it if the thing remains as locked down as it is, at least so far as I can tell. I, I mean, feel, there, I feel like they big, could be like, really freaking close. Yeah. Because they've yeah. got playgrounds on the iPad now, which is they're using to like teach kids. But that's like running Swift code right there. It can, I mean, LLVM like runs on ARM. It could compile to ARM, like the compiler. Yeah, but like then you then you have like a local app distribution problem, right? It's got to run on the iPad. You've got to put it into memory. You've got to let it address the operating system. Mm-hmm. You're not signing it through the store. Like that actually starts to Isn't create. Isn't Apple smart enough to enable like a developer mode? Like people are like already talking about needing trying to jailbreak the next version of iOS 11 on the next iPhone because it looks like right now they're not going to allow drag and drop on an iPhone. Um, and like that could actually be useful on an iPhone. And so people are like, well, I'm going to jailbreak. There was like the whole reason the jailbreak ecosystem existed was to unlock a bunch of stuff that you know the OS could do, but that just isn't allowed. And some of those are like flags of things that are built into the OS. I'm wondering how long it is until Apple's like, all right, this is how we ship it. 95% of people are going to never, you know, tap the box. But for some people, they'll tap the box, we'll give them a bunch of warnings, and then they will have, you know, a developer mode iOS device that you can, you know, do stuff on. I would do that. I would love that. It's a lot, it's more work for them, but uh, I think it would, uh, it would gain them. Their hardest core fans would love them for it. Yeah. I will see. I, it's just an interesting time, right? Like, we haven't been at this decision point. We've seen this decision point coming for a long time. Mm-hmm. It feels like with 10s, with iOS 11, it's arrived in a significant way. And I, that split between what do you want a laptop to be is uh, people are going to start making that choice for real in a way that iPads previous, previously, the choice has been, I'm going to radically rethink my relationship to computing. Mm-hmm. And now it's... I can do almost everything I want my laptop to do in a much simpler environment. In 10s makes that even more clear. Yep. Anyhow, that's. I think we've now. Wait, we forgot to do. <laughs> Paul. Mm-hmm. Every week. Yeah. There's a we segment. never forget. Never ever forget. It's a segment that you do. Yeah, it's called I see seed semicolon so much seed. This is a high concept <laughs> segment. <laughs> I'll get you with the spelling, Andrew. I. I, the letter I. C, I referring to myself. Okay, I. And then a company that's called C Seed, right? The letter C and then seed as in the past tense of, of, of seeing. <laughs> no. Or like a seed from which a plant grows? Yeah, like a plant. <laughs> okay, not the past tense of seeing. <laughs> okay, they made a really big TV. <laughs> C Seed. Is the name of the company. Seed made uh, a 262-inch 4K what LCD TV. That's a lot what? of that's a lot of liquid crystals. Yeah, with apparently a 5,001 contrast ratio. It's uh, 19 feet wide. Cost $539,000, which, to be honest, doesn't sound very much for like the world's largest TV. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like you can charge whatever you want. It's pretty crazy. Also, there's a picture of Chad Mom. <laughs> My good friend Chad Mom. Wait, how much did it cost again? Five hundred and thirty-nine thousand dollars. That's, that's oh, too and much. like their marketing copy just assumes that you have a mansion, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like this is where it goes in your mansion. I love, I love the idea that someone's selling a product that is a TV that literally could not fit (laughs) in any direction or angle in my apartment. So that's just the biggest TV ever. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Seed. Seed. That's a that's a great way to start a badly named company. Like now, now you have to know what Seed is. You don't have a choice. But they didn't come out with like a like a forty inch TV, and you're like, what's that terrible brand? They were like, here. Here's just all of the panels we had. <laughs> we started the company. We, we were like, should we make a lot of 40-inch TVs or just one TV? <laughs> well, how do you want to be remembered? Yeah. Uh, when does it come out? Are we getting one? I don't know. All right. I'm sorry. That's the limit of my knowledge about this very large television. Well, I want one, and I will have it, and it will go on my boat. <laughs> all right. That is our show. Uh, let us know if you like this segments thing. I had fun doing the interview yesterday. Dieter and I had fun interviewing Panos. As you know, we're down to one show. You should listen and watch the last episode of Control Alt Delete. That was super fun. Taped it live here in New York. Everybody, thank you so much. Like 300 people were there. They had assigned posters. It was, cr- I was like, this is just a podcast, but we were signing stuff. College students were like, Happy to see Walt. They're all inspired. One, I'm going to tell the story. One kid was like, I'm going to college, but I know a lot of famous people have dropped out of college. And Walt was like, that's true. And he started naming like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. And he was just like getting through the names. And his, the kid's dad was like, what are you doing? And Walt was like, <laughs> those people are extraordinary. You should stay in college because you're not going to, you can't line up a moment like those people. And the, the kid's dad was like, Thank you, Walt. <laughs> it, was like, it was just great. Thank you so much. Uh, but if you came and if you didn't, please listen, watch. But like I said, we're down to this show. We're interested in doing more segments with this show. So if you like the ones that we did today, let us know. We'll, we'll keep at it. We'll keep experimenting. Uh, we're also, Andrew Marino, our, our producer, uh, is doing a bunch of experiments on a, uh, an app called Anchor, which is like a podcasting app that doesn't have all... It doesn't require you to like download a bunch of podcasts. It's just like a self-contained audio platform that I think is really interesting. Uh, Casey yeah, wrote because about it. it because it's anchor and that's boat boat adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> I love anything boat adjacent. Uh, but we've it's anchor fm anchor fm slash verge, uh, or you can get the app and subscribe to the verge. There's just been a bunch of weird stuff happening there, audio wise, cool stories. Uh, Caitlin Tiffany, the great reporter on our culture team, is doing some stuff. Casey Newton's going to start doing a bunch of stuff there. There's other people who have ideas. So listen to that stuff uh, and let us know which of those things should become podcasts. It's like basically we're piloting new ideas on Anchor because I think it's easier to get audio out through that app than having everybody subscribe to a whole new podcast full of whatever. So let us know there. There's also other stuff to listen to. Lauren Good, our terrific senior editor, hosts Too Embarrassed to Ask with Kara Swisher. On the Recode side, Kara Swisher hosts Recode Decode, uh, and Peter Kafka hosts Recode Media. So... Don't worry. It's not like there's nothing to listen to. Listen to that stuff. Listen to us on Anchor. Let us know what you think, and we're going to start rolling out some new podcasts in the future. And that's it. Uh, you can talk to us on Twitter. I'm at Reckless. Paul is at Future Paul. Dieter's at Backlon. Oh, Megan's at Megan underscore Nicolette. Nicolette. Yeah. All right. That's it. Snip, snip. Rocky. Paul. Paul. <laughs>